Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. What a what a great song this morning. What a great worship set. Um, just to be reminded that there is joy uh, in the house of the Lord, and I'm grateful that as we gather, that there is joy. Uh, in the presence of other believers as we approach the very throne room of heaven, as we come together and as we worship our great God, as we find uh, help in our time of need. I'm so grateful uh, that because of the blood of Jesus Christ that we have access to the very throne room of heaven, that we can come and worship him in spirit uh, and in truth. As we uh, sang some of those songs this morning, as I was reminded of just this picture of us laying our burdens down, I know uh, and personally, just from, uh, just from knowing some of you and the different circumstances and situations that you are, are walking through, that there are people this morning that come uh, with heavy burdens in their life, with family members that are going through difficult times, with uh, stresses, and, and in, you know, in, in a world that is filled with so much busyness and so, much, uh, so many things coming from so many different directions, it's my hope uh, this morning that we might could just pause for just a few minutes and that uh, we could enter into a place where time would uh, be irrelevant, where we would um, just have a, a sole focus on, on just worshiping and encountering uh, the power of God in the midst of our lives. Jesus said uh, to all you who are weary and heavy laden, he said, come unto me and you will find rest. And this morning I pray is a day that uh, could be described in that way. Uh, just super excited to, to dig into the Word of God this morning. We're going to be uh, in Luke's Gospel, chapter number 10. Uh, appreciate Pastor Chris and me being able to be away last week. Had the privilege of being able to go uh, with uh, my daughter to a college for a weekend experience and uh, just to be able to leave and know that, uh, you know, if, if you didn't know any different, you wouldn't know I was gone. You know that uh, the church just carries on and so grateful for just the team that God has put together here. Thankful for Pastor Chris and his uh, heart. And what a challenging message for families, for students, for all of us as we uh, just examine uh, the, the season that God has us in and the, and the specific ways that he calls us to uh, honor him and worship in that season. We, uh, you know, we were fixing to leave to go to this college for a weekend thing. And I don't know, you know, we sung that song this morning about making room. I don't know if any of you just feel like there's some days there's just not any room left. Like, where are you going to, you know, where are you going to find it? Busyness, lots of things happening. Well, that, that specific morning, uh, I was uh, getting ready to go, and I had a big list of things to do. Like, there was a lot of things that we had to accomplish that day. Uh, we were going to leave about midday uh, to head to Liberty, and so uh, Grant was going to get in half a day of school that day. You know, they make that little rule. If you go half a day, you get counted, and so that was our, our plan, and so we head out that morning, and I've got all these things, going to pack this and do this, and uh, some of the folks that were going with us, we had to meet at a certain time in town, and so all those things are in my mind, and we're uh, we're cruising down uh, the road just maybe a mile from school, and all of a sudden I started smelling antifreeze, right? You smell that, that little distinct smell of antifreeze, and, uh, and, and I smelled that, and I thought, somebody's car's probably not doing good, and so I was looking around trying to figure out whose it was. Yeah, and I look up, and then there's steam coming out of my hood, and I'm like, oh, I know whose car it is, and so... 
I've, I've learned, you know, sometimes we learn from people telling us things, uh, and then sometimes we learn from experience, but I've changed the head gasket before from a car overheating, and so when I looked and saw my temperature gauge going up and I saw the steam coming out of my car, I said, this is a good time to stop right now. And so I got, the first place that I could get off the road was the, uh, the church right there in front of the middle school, and so I pull over in there, and I'm parked, and I get out and have a few tools, and I'm thinking, you know, this is not a great morning for this, but here we are. So I start digging in, you know, trying to figure out what was going on, found a hose that was busted, found out I didn't have quite all the tools that I needed, and so I've been uh, blessed with a dad that is great at all that stuff and still in the same uh, town, and so I call him, and I'm like, hey, anyway, you could come up and maybe bring some tools and help me. Here's what I got going on. And, and so, of course, he comes to my rescue as, as he has a million times. And so I'm uh, just grateful for that. Well, in the process of that, I'm just kind of sitting there waiting for him to get there. And one of my, uh, one of the guys that is a state patrolman uh, in our town pulls up beside the car, right? And so I see the state trooper pull in, he pulls up to the side and I look over and this guy's laughing like uncontrollably. I know. I'm like, and I look at him, and I'm thinking, they, don't, they, must, they, they can't teach you this, right, to, to laugh at the poor guy broke down on the side of the road. And he is just cackling. And so I'm looking over at him. He's just kind of leaning back. And finally, I get out of the, the car, and uh, he gets out of the car, and he's still just laughing out loud. And he says, man, the funniest thing, he said, they called in and said an old man was broke down on the side of the road. <laughs> It ain't that funny, right? But here's the, here's the thing. So, so I told him, I was like, hey, man, I said, I, he said, they even texted it to me. Here, here's a text. I took a picture of his phone. Stranded motorist, elderly male, hood race. Yeah. Yeah, y'all think I make this stuff up, right? No, it, it just can't. And I was thinking in that moment, right, when he's laughing, I'm thinking, I ain't got no room for that. I don't have room to be broke down today. I don't have room for any of those things, right? And, uh, but sometimes life just happens, and there's really no choice. Circumstances are going on. Things are happening. I, you know, I'd gone uh, earlier that week. A small group of us went to Asbury where uh, there had been this, this uh uh, stirring in the hearts of some college students there on campus. And there were thousands of people uh, that had been driving to this little small town. And they were, they, when we got there, you know, there was, there was a lot of different things that went through my mind. Part of it, one of it was just like, I, I've been praying for a move of God and I desire and long to see uh, a move of God that, that changes people from the inside out, that uh, where we would see uh, an awakening in our country. And we are in desperate need uh, of, of a return and a repentance and, a, and a, a turning to God in our churches and in our nation and in our world. And so I, I heard about you know, some things that were happening there. And, and, and really, I just want to go and be part of it. Like if, if God's choosing to do something uh, in our midst, and this is the beginning of a, a move of God, I just want to be part of it. But then there was also a little part of me that knows that the scripture would teach that, that the Holy Spirit dwells within me, that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and I don't have to go uh, anywhere to experience the presence of God. But what I saw there were people that had come from all over, and there was a hunger about them. There was a, a hunger that they might encounter the presence of God, people from Nevada that were behind me, people from Canada, people that had flown from other countries uh, all over the world. And, and in those moments and, and in the days to follow, uh, there was a, a conviction in my heart, just personally, just about my own hunger for the presence of the Lord. I thought, oh, all these people, 
when they're driving and they're spending hours waiting in line and they're, they're worshiping and they're praying and they're seeking the Lord. And, and there was a hunger that, that stirred my heart, right? It's, uh, Robbie Gallaty said that the, the fame of revival stirs the flames of revival. There's a hunger that hadn't quite been there as, as much. And, and I feel kind of ashamed to even, even say that, right, as, as your pastor. But there's a hunger that was turning me that was different than, uh, than, than had been, you know. And I was convicted about that, convicted about the dependence that I uh, need uh, to, to express all the time for the Lord. And, and then there's this reality that sometimes life is just coming in so many different directions. And, and, and the Lord convicted me as I processed this broken down car and this trip to Asbury and all the different things that were going on. I was having trouble sleeping in the nights after that. And, and there was just this conviction in my heart where the Holy Spirit said, you know, you're really just too busy for revival. You're distracted. Your brain's all over the place. You know, I began to think about some of those things, and I wonder if personally and even as a church, if, if we can be so busy that it's hard for us to experience the presence of the Lord in the way that we could. And, and I'm also reminded that an encounter with Jesus changes everything, that, that a moment in his presence, it changes everything. And I want to... I wanna, Lean into a story that we're going to read today in the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 10. And uh, I want to invite you just to take your copy of God's Word and to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. We're going to read verse 38 through 42. And uh, what we find is after Luke has, <clears throat> has uh, told the parable of the Good Samaritan that he recounts this event that occurs when Jesus is in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And beginning... In verse 38, we read these words. Now, as they were traveling alone, he entered along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful. God, for your word. God, we're thankful that God, you allow us to gather in these moments and that you are with us, Lord. And we pray that this morning, God, that we would make room for you. God, that we would choose today to be found at your feet. God, that we could choose the good part, Lord, that we could see that while, God, there's a call to service and there's a call to worship. And, Lord, both of those things can be together, Lord. We pray that you would help us to, God, just see the places that we've been distracted. God, we pray that the, the weights that somehow we may be carrying today, Lord, that you would allow us to lay those at your feet, Lord, that we could find rest today in your presence, Lord, and that you might, God, you might cause us to leave here 
different. Lord, with a, with a desire, Lord, to live out of an overflow of your presence, Lord, with a, a trust in you that's greater than any day before. And God, we pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you, God, that you've, uh, God, that doesn't have a relationship with you, God, we pray that you would save them today. Lord, we pray that you would draw them in the power of your spirit, God, and that, uh, God, that you would change them from the inside out, that you would bring them from death to life. God, we love you and we thank you. And we ask for your blessing on our time together today in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. You may be seated. Now, we read these words, and uh, you'll see in verse 38, you can leave that on the screen for a second, but on, in verse 38, the scripture says that they were traveling along, and, and when we read this, it gives us this, this, uh, this picture and really this uh, impression that this was not a, a planned visit, right? It says they were traveling alone and, and along, and Jesus entered a village, and that there was this woman named Martha that just welcomed him into her home. And I, I love that about Martha. There's this hospitality, just this thought that she just come on in. She welcomes him in. Now, it's possible that uh, Jesus had some, some of the disciples traveling with him. It could have been a, a group of people. Maybe Jesus was going to stay the night. Maybe they were all going to eat supper, right? But here they are. And, and we see that she just welcomes them in. In verse 39, the scripture says she had a sister called Mary who was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Now, this word, to, to listen to his word, this word listen in the Greek gives this picture of listening with intent. And, and when we think about this, this leaning in and this listening, there's this sense of her just being fully present in that moment. Fully, just all of her attention is to the words of Jesus. She's sitting at his, at his feet, right? This position of a, a disciple even at, at a rabbi's feet. Uh, a picture of just the way that Jesus honored uh, women in this time, things that were, were just culturally different. And she is hearing his word and he is speaking into uh, just these moments and she is fully present, right? Listening intently. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, my wife and my kids could testify <clears throat> that there are these moments where I'm physically present. I'm there physically, but we can be having a conversation some of, you, some of you experience this maybe at your house too, sounds like, but you can be having this conversation and then a question can be asked and then there's just this reality in my mind in that moment that I haven't heard a thing that's been said in those moments. But, but she's fully present, right? She is there and, and she is listening to the word of God. Now, now she's present in that moment and, and we could learn something from that like for all of us, right, to be fully present wherever we are, to be in those places. But here's Mary fully present at her Savior's feet. And we're going to contrast that with her sister Martha. Now, the Scripture says in verse 40 that Martha was distracted. Now, this word distracted gives us this picture of being pulled away, being uh, carried away, being pulled away from this moment. So it says she was distracted with all of her preparations and she came up to him and said, and this is like crazy, she's like, Jesus, Lord, don't, don't you see? Don't you see what's going on? Lord, don't you care? And, and if you've got siblings, right, and one of them's doing more chores than the other one, y'all know how that is, right? One of them's busy cleaning all this stuff, getting ready, and, 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 and here's this picture. Lord, don't you see? Don't you see that I'm doing all this work? And look at Mary, ain't helping none, none, not any. I'm serving alone. Hey, Jesus, how about tell her to get up and help me? That's what he said. That's the kind of moment, right? And, and here's this thing. You know, she, she's, she's, she's distracted. It's this picture being pulled away. Martha, 
the scripture says, is distracted with all the preparations. Now, now Jesus is in the house, right? So we don't want to we, we don't want to beat her up at all, right? She's being pulled away, distracted by all these things. It gives us this impression that that Martha would like to be hearing the word of Christ. That, that she would be, she would enjoy being at the feet of Jesus, but all this work has to be done. There's other things. There's, there's how, what's going to happen if I'm not getting all this ready? And, and, and some of you can sympathize with that because everything, you want it to be just right. And Jesus is over. So she's like, well, we got to have the best meal. There ain't no way I can have DoorDash bring Pizza Hut because this is a big deal right here. And we've got we to make sure everything is just right. And my wife, I, she loves for the house to be just right. And what the problem that she has is she's got three kids, Hope, Grant, and yours truly, right? And what we find is that because we're there, the house is not always just right. But because we're there, I'm, I'm a little messy. I'm a little all over the place. I'm a little that way. She's, she's been blessed with that. And so the other day we get a phone call. There's a furniture uh, repair guy that's going to look at some furniture we've got. And we get a call and he is like five, 10 minutes away. He's like, I'm about there. I'll see you on a minute. And, and we're kicked back in that moment. And when that moment happens, immediately uh, Sherry puts us into motion, right? Because every, now some of y'all have experienced this kind of moment before. It's like, there's somebody coming over and I'm thinking, I don't even know who this dude is. And I mean, it don't matter to me who this so what? There's something over here. And, and listen, the good thing about it is she always keeps it close to being ready, right? So she puts us in order and we get all these things together and we have the house in, uh, you know, in, in order when he gets there, right? And, and this is the guy that's coming over, but this is Jesus. I imagine she's all over the place. I got to get to the market. I got to get these things. We got to have just the right food. And it all has to be done. All this stuff has to be done. And look at Mary over there. She's not doing anything. And there's all this work to do. Uh, you could have sent her over here. And the Lord answers her. Verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha. And you know, just, I feel like I've heard that this week in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. He's saying, Jason. Jason. And I don't want you to see this as a, you know, like when I say Hope Ann Smith, right? That's kind of like you're in trouble kind of thing, right? But, but I don't hear the words of Jesus coming out that it is, a, it is a compassionate plea. It is a, Jason, Jason, you are bothered. You are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. Jason, you're, you're worried, you're anxious. You're bothered about all these things. But only one thing is necessary. And Mary, Mary's chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. One commentator made mention of this reality that sometimes we overvalue our importance in the midst of life, right? Like Martha's thinking, it's all got to be done. And if I don't do it, Mary sure ain't going to do nothing. You saw how she is. She ain't going to get up and do nothing. You know. And like, I mean, this is just this reality. If I don't get it done, and, and here's how we fill in that blank. Here's what I do as a pastor, and here's what we do as followers of Christ. Sometimes we we say, here's what Jesus needs. 
This is what Jesus needs. And I, and I, I know what he needs. I know what he needs. What he needs is, Martha's going, what he needs is everything to be just right in the house. What he needs is, is this meal to be prepared just perfect. And what he needs is this great, great big meal and this big thing. And what, what he needs and what he needs and what he needs. But here's the thing that we find in this passage. What, what Jesus desired was that she might come to his feet and that there she might find out what he needed. He, he could have sent both of them out. Hey, I, hey, you know, she was thinking, I can't pull those uncrustables out. Jesus like some uncrustables and some time with me. That's what I need. That's what I want in this moment. And so here's this, this core truth I think we see in this passage. And we're going to see uh, another scene toward the end where we see uh, another meal that's being prepared. And, and we're going to see some differences in that. But I want you to, you'll see this on the screen, but, but there's this truth that's here that God desires that we might start at the master's feet where we find instruction and strength for the master's work. It's not that Martha was bad in serving. Like if we didn't have some Marthas, we wouldn't have no food. But he desires that we would start at his feet. And that's where we would find our assignment. That's where we would find our strength. That's where we'd find his desire for our life. The scripture says in, in Matthew chapter number six, verse 33, the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he says, all these things will be added to you. You're worried he could have told those that were gathered for this incredible sermon he was preaching at that time. They were worried about all these things. And he could say, you're worried about so many things. What will we eat? What will we wear? What will we? And he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says, don't worry about all those things. Don't be worried. You're worried and bothered with so many things. Sit at his feet. Hear his voice. Read his word. Allow his presence to give us peace in those moments, right? In Matthew 11, we read these words. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come to me. And if you're weary this morning, this is, this is for us. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. See, there seems like there's an infinite need and there's more opportunities than we could ever meet all the needs of. There's more that's there that we could do. And, and in this particular passage, I believe a simple meal and some time with Jesus would have been best. But Martha was, she was distracted. She was pulled away. She was bothered. She was anxious. She was worried about so many things. And we know as we read the verses that are just before this that we see this story of the Good Samaritan and we see this call for good works and we see this call for us to be good neighbors, to love God and to love our neighbor. And, and, and there's this question that the Lord asks, who is my neighbor? And he tells him this story, right? So we know that God desires us to be a people who love him and put that love in action as we engage with the world. But, but our, our service cannot be separated from our worship. Our, 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 our good deeds are never to be, it's never been intended for those to be separated from this personal relationship, from this good thing, from this best thing. And I want to encourage you that we might be a people who would get at his feet with open hands and say, God, whatever you want to do, right? 
whatever you want in my life. You know, sometimes we want to say, God, you tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. And, and it's in reverse that God wants us to be. It's God, I'll do it. Now you tell me what you want me to do. You know, a, a verse that we use, and I see some students that are in these years of, of graduating and, you know, that they're, they're thinking about their life and their world. And a few years ago, preach, uh, Pastor Chris preached a message uh, out of Proverbs 3, and there's this beautiful call, right, that, that in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, there's these words that many of us may have memorized, and, and we may know those. And the Scripture would say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not or do not lean on your own understanding. And then the scripture says, in all your ways, everything. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will direct your path. But we know that, right? That in our, every part of our life, we want to be directed by the king, but, but what we have a tendency to do is to remain in charge. We have a tendency to say, uh, I, I've got this figured out. And instead of coming to him and seeking his, his presence and seeking his direction and seeking uh, his desires in our life, we lean on our own understanding. So many times I order my day, there's so many things that are going on and I'm trying to figure out how I'm gonna juggle all these things. And I'm so busy that, that I don't even really wanna take time just to be still and silent before the Lord because I, I've gotta get all these things done. And, and Lord, they're things that you want done. They're, they're things that are good things. They're service to you. They're things that are there. And remember this, this word, uh, you know, my brain and, and my poor wife and kids can tell you my brain is everywhere. The staff can tell you it's like a, it's like crazy what goes on in there. And, and when, and for me to, to do anything and, and to focus, I have to get away from all the noise. I have to get away because here's what happens. I can hear a conversation two rooms down and a word there. And that conversation, my poor little brain will take a side trail and go all the way down that road and be completely in another place. And it's just a little bit of how I'm wired. And I don't think that even in this passage, when we see Mary and Martha, they're wired a little bit differently. This is not a preference over the way God made us in the midst of that, but there's a submission uh, in our lives to his plan and his direction and his leaning. And, and really what we have so much trouble with, we're distracted, we're pulled away, we're, we desire, if I was to ask every person in this room, we would say, I desire to be in the presence of God. But there's so many things that are pulling us away. I think about this generation. I think about me, the pings, the, the things that are there. I'm constantly pulled away by this device. I'm constantly pulled away by the pings and the vibrates. And even when it's not vibrating, we pull it out to see if it vibrated because we may have missed a vibration. And we have no idea, really, we have no idea how it's going to affect the generation that's coming up now because we are pioneers in it. When I was growing up, there was none of that. We, we had a bag phone in 100 minutes and I thought, ain't nobody ever gonna use a text message when they came out with that, I thought, well, that's crazy. Who would want to do that instead of talk on the phone? Like everybody, right? And so we have no idea the impact that that's going to make, but we are distracted. We're pulled away. There's so many things and we're bothered. And, and honestly, we're worried about so many things. And just in full transparency, we, we get weary. I got back from Asbury and I was having trouble sleeping at night. I was having trouble, you know, just thinking and, and, and then different circumstances would happen and my mind would get around those things. And and, and as your pastor, I know that it's sinful for us to worry. It's sinful for us to be anxious. The scripture would tell us not to be anxious about anything, 
right, that, that we're not to worry. But the reality is that I was finding myself a, a bit overwhelmed in the midst of all those things, and, and, and it's hard to get my brain to shut off. And, and, and it's like I was hearing from the Lord as I looked at this passage, Jason, Jason, you are, you are worried and bothered about so many things. Maybe you find yourself there this morning. Maybe you came in in that kind of way, stressed out. You know, the stress in our country is at just really an all-time high. It's literally uh, killing people, the busyness, the depression, the According to the American Institute of Stress, about 33% of people reported feeling extreme stress. 77% of people experience stress that affects their physical health. 48% of people have trouble sleeping because of stress. And unfortunately, the, stat, the stat statistics are getting worse instead of better. For high school students, the number one health concern for students is stress. We see these kind of things, and we, we have a problem because we love busyness. See, we live in a, a culture where we reward and celebrate being busy. We, we believe it's some kind of victory, and if we're not overly busy, and if we're not uh, in a place where we're not getting sleep, we, we perceive this self-worth in what we are doing. People, how busy we are. We, we think, well, I feel good about myself because I'm so needed in these moments, and maybe like Martha, we're saying, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And by the way, like uh, Jesus uh, fed the 5,000 with Little boy's lunch, right? I mean, we, he don't need any of our things, right? What he needs is our obedience. He needs our worship. He needs those kind of things. And, and we are so convinced that we are to be busy. But here's the solution, right? Jesus is saying to many of us today, Jason, Jason, and your name could fill in there. You are worried and you are bothered by so many things you are so many things. And in a world of complexity, I want to give you just three things that we could take away from this this morning. In a world of complexity, fight for simplicity. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. The one thing, listening to the word of God, spending time at his feet. We can get so complicated. There's so many things, so many distractions, and we've got to deal with those. What would it look like for us just to put those phones aside for short periods of time in, in a world of, of constant noise? Create space for silence. You know, even just 10 seconds feels awkward. Psalm 46, we read these words, be still and know that I am God. We're so used to noise. We're so used to this constant feel that we can't be silent. But we see this beautiful call for solitude. It's this beautiful call that we might get alone in the presence of God. I want to encourage you, just 10 minutes, set an alarm on your phone so you're not looking at it every two seconds to see if 10 minutes has gone by, and just be quiet before the Lord. This morning, I got up early, and I said, I just want to be still before you, God. I want to hear your voice. It's hard to be quiet for 10 minutes. 
It's hard to just listen in those moments. In a world of noise, create space for silence. And in a world of busyness, may we allow activity to flow from intimacy. That the things that we do would flow out of time with Jesus. That the decisions that we make, that we would trust in the Lord with all of our heart, regardless of the circumstances and situations and the things that are going on, the things that we're bothered by, the things that we are distracted by, the things that are coming at us from all around, that we would trust God with all of our heart and that we would not lean on our own understanding, on the things that our mind naturally runs to, on the, on the things that we would that, that pop into those kind of things, but that we would recognize those, those places where we get bothered and we get distracted and, and we would remember who our God is, right? When we get weak, and weary. I'm reminded of the psalmist in Psalm 121. The Bible says that those Jewish pilgrims, that they would travel, uh, and as they would travel to the feast days, that in those times that they would get out, and they would get alone, and that they would get weak, and they would get tired, and I imagine that their children would get sick, and that there were things uh, that they were facing, and the scripture says that as they were traveling, and as they would get uh, in those places, that the Bible says that they would lift their eyes into the hills, that they would look toward the temple, that they would look toward those places, and they would lift their eyes unto the hills because they knew where their help came from. And we lift our eyes to the Lord. We recognize that we live in all kinds of turmoil and all kinds of trouble. But that same Psalm, uh, it, it tells us that our God, listen, we get tired and we get weary and we get overwhelmed with distraction and overwhelmed and all those things. And we think if I just lay down, if I just take a minute, then everything's going to fall apart because all this stuff's got to get done. And I want you to know that we have a God who is able to handle this world just by without us for just a few minutes. And the Bible says that, 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 that the psalmist said that our God never sleeps or slumbers. He that keepeth Israel, that he can keep you. That he never gets distracted, that he never gets discouraged, that he never gets weak and weary. Then I want to tell you this morning that when you get weak and weary, you have a God who is never weak and weary. And we need to be reminded when we get at the feet of Jesus, we're reminded that we have a strong Father. And we have a Father that is good and that is looking after us that is working all things together for good for those that love him and those that are called according to his purpose. And we, as the people of God, many times we are crowded out by distraction. And today my challenge to us is that we would make room for Jesus, that in the midst of the busyness, that, that we would say yes to living our lives out of an overflow of time with him. We've got to understand that the decisions that we make every day, when we say yes to something, we are saying no to something else. And we've got to choose what's best, right? We've got to choose the main thing. We've got to look at our families that way, right? When we think about the things that we say yes to, I was so blessed last week to go with my daughter and with her friends and with her family uh, to Liberty and to do a college for a weekend. And there's a wrestling sometimes when I want to be away from here. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I need to be here and I need to do all those kind of things. But a wise pastor told me one time, he said, there's a lot of people that can do what you do. And, and as a pastor, I recognize that I'm a moment on the mission of God. And I was away last week and Chris knocked it out of the park right and, and shared uh, th this this heart of us as parents and fathers and and as we live our lives right and, and I'm reminded that God didn't 
he did just fine, right? But I'm going to tell you something. Last week, I was able to experience something with my daughter that she will never forget, right? And, and here's the thing. We can be, uh, there, there's a lot of people that can be a lot of things in our life, but there's only one person that can be a dad to my daughter. There's only one person that can be a husband to our wife. And, and, and when we do those kind of things, we've got to recognize that we are saying no to something else, and we've got to choose the best thing, the one thing. And the one thing in this passage was time at the feet of Jesus. And Mary always seemed to be found at the feet of Jesus. We read later that there's another dinner, right? And that Mary and Martha and Lazarus, that they give a dinner uh, for Jesus. And we read in John's gospel, you can turn over uh, to John chapter 12 if you want. And we recognize uh, from uh, Mark's gospel that they're gathered in the home of Simon the leper. We, we would read that and we would know that that's where they're gathered this time. We would see Ma uh, Martha is serving. Let's look right here. It says that Jesus, therefore, six days, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Now, they're at the house of Simon the leper, or, or should I say, let, let's rewind just a minute. We're at the house of Simon, who used to be uh, a leper, and, and then gathered at the table with Jesus, we see that, that here he is, right, sitting, it says that came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus raised from the dead. So he made, so they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, she was still serving, and they all had something to eat, and it was good that Martha was serving. And here's what we find out. Martha's attitude was a whole lot better about her serving because her serving had turned from drudgery and all these things. It had turned to worship, right? And it was worship for her, for the king. Martha was serving, but here's Lazarus. Listen, listen, I love this. It says, Lazarus, Lazarus is one of those reclining at the table with him. Can you imagine the conversation that's going on at that table? Simon, the ex-slapper, Lazarus. He, Simon's like, you know, I, I remember when Jesus healed me. I remember when the master, same way, I, I remember those moments. And Lazarus is like, yeah, I remember when I was dead. <laughs> like, top that, right? And so, but there's a worship that's going on there. And what we read in verse 3 is that Mary does something beautiful. She took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. We know from that story that Judas was, uh, was, was upset about the extravagance. He was, he was upset about the wastefulness that he saw in that. But what I want you to see is that Mary had spent enough time at the feet of her Savior to where she got it. And when she came together, she was preparing him for his death. She, she was anointing him. She knew that his time was nearing, right? And what we would see is that she knelt at his feet and she didn't come with this thought of saying, Jesus, uh, I'm going to command you to do all these things and I want all these things from you. And, and, I, and I think it's silly when we approach uh, uh, the master in that way, but we come and, and she came to his feet and she said, I worship you. I thank you. I love you. And I'm going to I'm going to show you that in the best way that I know how. My worship is going to be extravagant. Her worship was costly. It was thousands of dollars worth of perfume. And she poured it all out on Jesus. Her worship was pure. And she said, I love you. And God desires that we might be found at his feet. And I wonder maybe for the first time in a long time, if there might be some of us that would be found at the feet of Jesus worshiping him, just to say, Jesus, I love you. Maybe some of us walked in today and we are weary from the load that we've been carrying and Jesus would say to you, come all you who are weary and I will give you rest. 
the prayers that we pray. The... Jesus can do more in a moment in the situations that we are facing than in a lifetime of our striving. And maybe some of us need to come and say, Lord, I come and I'm just going to be still before you. And God, here I am. I'll do whatever you want me to do, God. Now tell me what it is. And then tomorrow morning, may we rise up and say, I want to be at the feet of Jesus. I trust you, Lord, with all my heart. And I don't lean on my own understanding, but God, I want you to give me wisdom from your word. I want to be in your word and I want to live out of an overflow of that. Maybe some of us here, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Bobby was closing the service and talking about how he'd been praying for revival for years. Vance Havner said the, the times are tough. He said that the, the times that we live in are desperate, but the saints of God are not. Maybe there's some of us that God's stirring a hunger for revival, a hunger that we might see his presence in the midst of our schools, in the midst of our communities, in the midst of our, in the midst of our church. Because a moment, an encounter with Jesus, a moment in his presence changes everything.